Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to LayeredSuperfood.com and add nourishing, plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our promo code DRD at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. Driving an Indy car at Texas Motor Speedway is like trying to catch a rattlesnake with your bare hands. One wrong move and it'll bite. The trick is not to get rattled, but to attack quickly. Here it comes again for another go. At just the right moment. Gotcha. Experience the NTT IndyCar Series this Sunday with the PPG 375 at Texas Motor Speedway at 12 p.m. Eastern, live on NBC and Peacock. This is your sign to try Staples, where your prints are perfect, guaranteed. Staples Print and Marketing Services help small business print big. Now get $15 off signs, banners, and posters when you spend $75 or more. Try Staples and see the difference. Offer ends April 15th. Visit staples.com slash print big for details. Ready for the interview, and if you get a cue live on a laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto, doctor, DPHD, hit the intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, a home for the locals. Gotta be social, network, global, a home for the locals. Jessica, you're here. And we're going to talk about psychedelics for sure. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. It was a long day here, but also feeling like it was a good slow day for me today. Oh, yeah. that's good. How about you? <laughs> uh, busy. My life is incredibly busy right now uh, between work and selling our home to move. So Ooh. a lot happening yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. And moving can be so stressful. I'm also in the search for a new apartment here. So, <laughs> you, so you know how it goes. Moving is a, it's a lot of work and uh, it's a lot of change in your life, you know? Yeah. How does that feel? Uh, you know, it actually feels good. I grew up in a military family, so mm-hmm. I'm used to moving and I've moved a lot as an adult. So I'm used to it, but it still can be a little bit tough uh, for yeah. that, just the process of it. But I, I'm super pumped about it, you know, excited. So. Yeah. 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 There's always like the new beginnings part is always exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's something to look forward to. You know, sometimes in life you get in kind of the wheel. I call it the wheel. You just keep going mm-hmm. and the repeat days every day feels the same. So it's nice to have to shake it up a little bit, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Out of the comfort zone and then, yeah, trying to sort things out <laughs> in a different way. Yeah. Well, speaking of sorting things out, <laughs> especially this is a very true statement about what we're going to talk about today. But I wanted to let's backtrack about your experience or how did you come to the psychedelic world? Ooh, yeah. Okay. It's a long story, but I will try to keep it short. Um, Basically, psychedelics were introduced into my life about six years ago when I first moved from Brazil to Amsterdam. And I initially used them in a very sort of like a more recreational setting. And it took me like about a year or so to actually find out that they actually had other benefits than just fun. <laughs> oh, so you mean and, recreational, like, what, tell me what that means. I know fun, but let's dive deeper. What is What does that mean to you at that time? Oh, yeah. So 
different from many people in this space, I'm actually a very big, big advocate for recreational use of psychedelic drugs. I think for me personally, and for a lot of people in my circle, these have been really incredible tools for self-expression, uh, for connection with each other, or getting to know yourself better, even if you are, you know, taking those with your friends or in a musical fest music festival. Um, I really saw how it did for me. It really contributed much more with feeling more confident on my expression and how I show up in those spaces, how I show up in conversations with other people and what are, you know, the areas in my life that I am more connected and the ones that I'm, you know, like not being in full alignment with myself. So I feel like even if people kind of bump into these drugs in a recreational way, they will eventually find out their other benefits because it's also difficult uh, to see someone who have had recreational experience with psychedelics and have not learned something about themselves, especially also like the things that we don't want to look at so much, they will often show up in one way or another, especially if you're taking the substances in settings that you cannot control so much of what is happening around you, um, then you will be confronted with certain trips that will show, you know, certain aspects of yourself that you need to look a little bit deeper into. So, yeah, for me, yeah, recreational use um, was and is a big part of my life. And I think is just as legit as any um, other sort of use, like, like what people say for healing purposes and all of yeah. that. And I don't think that that necessarily means uh, we are disrespecting uh, the traditional use of the substances because you can also use those in a recreational way for the reasons I just described to you uh, intentionally. And you're not necessarily disrespecting uh, the lineage you know, of traditions that these compounds have but more giving reference to it in a different way. Is there a controversy in the space about recreational use versus, let's say, use for treating like PTSD or depression? Mm. Is there some type of friction in that? Uh, well, yeah, like I, what I see is, um, yeah, ideally we would like to see something different, right? But in the psychedelic space, there's a lot of friction in different areas of like how people think uh, the substances should and should not be used. So if you pick um, those who work uh, in the clinical setting, uh, in psychotherapy and all of that, uh, many think that this is the only way that psychedelics should be used. And of course, like I'm talking here from my own personal beliefs and opinions uh, so yeah everybody uh, thinks about that in a different way and I understand the reasons why uh, there's a certain preference and caution uh, regarding you know just using these compounds in clinical set in a clinical setting but yeah I also yeah I also think like it's there's a certain stigmatization uh regarding recreational use and like uh, you say people using drugs for self-exploration or just for pleasure or just for fun uh, for many this sounds like something wrong like you shouldn't be doing that especially when you pick women 
uh, doing mm. drugs for fun. There's another layer of stigma that comes on top of that. And yeah, I think for me, that's also an interesting aspect to explore is because uh, we can look into all the pressure and the beliefs that society has uh, of like how certain things should be done or not. And when like kind of categorizing them like, oh, this is better than the other way. But uh, as we see, like in the psychedelic space is, I don't think it's necessarily like that. And we even have that as an example, um, the traditional use by indigenous people, uh, which in many, many ways, they have much more knowledge than science, the science has right now. But Western medicine does not take that so much in, into consideration, even still. Like there is a big gap nowadays in trying to bridge, you know, modern traditions and Western science to in how to approach psychedelic healing. Um, so I think what we actually need is really uh, that people are more open to listen uh, to the different ways uh, that people can work with these tools and not necessarily come, you know, already with such judgmental and perspectives and thinking like, oh yeah, my way is better than your way and all the other ways are wrong. And yeah, you shouldn't be taking drugs for fun, even though they are fun. <laughs> but <laughs> because also, like, yeah, there's also the thing like drugs by itself, like the word and the culture around it, it carries so much weight from obviously like all the bad things that had happened in history and still happen uh, regarding, you know, drug use or substance abuse. But I think even more specifically on the context of psychedelic, that's not even like um, possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was interesting. I find that Michael Pollan talks about this, about kind of the the use of psychedelics for well people. Now you could define mm -hmm. well in a lot of different ways, but essentially psychedelics for recreational use is what he's talking mm -hmm. about, that it doesn't always have to be uh, for people who have had difficulties in their life, particularly um, um, maybe mental health-based issues and things of that nature, and kind of fighting against this notion that psychedelics are only for people who have had lots of trauma. Mm -hmm. um, I'm now for me speaking first, I have not had a lot of trauma in my life and I've had incredibly vivid and memorable and impactful psychedelic experiences mm -hmm. as I've done both ceremony and recreational for it. And they both equally have been amazing for that. <laughs> and I always mm -hmm. think like people crave altered states of consciousness. And that altered state of consciousness, I believe, should not be reserved just for people who are dealing with a lot of deep issues. It's wonderful for that. But I don't believe that there should be a stigma for people just recreational use, because there is a lot you can get out of, of it just for the purpose of well-being and improving how you feel about things in the world. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And like, if we are really honest, we already use stuff for alter state of consciousness in yeah. our day to day, like even coffee, exactly. uh, which is like, it's just how we categorize those things, right? Obviously in there, like when we are talking about recreational use, we are talking about responsible and safe mm -hmm. recreational yes. use and not like 
the use of the substance to escape or yeah. to dissociate or anything like that, which also can happen. Like it happens a lot with people um, with ketamine, for example. Mm. But uh, again, it's going back to this intention and why you are doing it and who and where and yeah, wh what is behind, you know, your relationship with that drug and wanting to take that drug in that moment. And yeah, I really, for me, yeah, that makes the whole difference. And that's like also the basis of all the sort of like all the educational work that I try to do regarding drugs is really trying to separate uh, this idea and believe like, okay, yeah, drugs are bad, but more like how do you use this specific thing? And your relationship with it is that's what tells like you know if it is good or bad but not necessarily what you are using if that makes sense <laughs> no no it makes a lot of sense and i think to add to that is just that we've kind of made a blanket cover for drugs mm -hmm. we have especially especially in the united states uh we have created just an all for one all these things are bad pretty much and there's no nuance to it but I think your average person knows which substances are really life altering and like life damaging destruction. Mm -hmm. And then they know that there are certain substances. It's like, oh, these are life enhancing. These mm -hmm. teach me things. But mm -hmm. for some reason, and the larger authority figures seem to not want to have that nuanced aspect <laughs> at all. Mm -hmm. They do not want to just you know, like, oh, let's there's our differences. Like there's differences in people. It's like, duh. Like, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's like we mm -hmm. don't want to have that conversation. It's very frustrating, actually. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, we all know also why. Um, and again, like, yeah, coming from my own personal perspectives and beliefs, but there, there is a reason behind all the media that was done uh, to forbid uh, yeah. psychedelics in the first place. And also there is a reason why, like... Um, the people in power or the people that create these laws and all of that do not want uh, people to have this type of experiences, right? And yeah, for me, um, personally, like it's really clear of like how not um, helpful for the current system that we live in it is that we are more aware of things. We are more aware of ourselves. We are more connected with ourselves and we are more connected with each other. Yeah. Because if you think about it, and if I'm more connected, you know, with people that are like me, but have a different skin color, uh, and we start to get together, suddenly we are much more powerful than the people who are actually in the power in the first place, right? Yeah. And yeah, then it's, yeah. It's wild, it's, right? When yeah, you really like, think yeah. about it, like a lot of the resistance is that people being awakened to who they actually are mm -hmm. and to be a kinder, better, nicer, a more cohesive unit of humans is threatening <laughs> to a lot of powerful people and entities. And you it's would think that would be what you want out of humans. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, ideally, yeah, but that's not, not what... Um, people want out of capitalism, right? Like mm. it's a whole system that was built in the first place to separate us 
from ourselves to be really individualistic so to separate us from each other so this is the only way the system works and it's already not working that much anymore i'm not gonna go so much in there <laughs> but like <laughs> because this is like a right you have opinions <laughs> i see you have jessica you have opinions i see it <laughs> yeah so that's the thing like i believe that uh you know a lot of us in the psychedelic space we have opinions and we have really strong opinions yes and, of course yeah that's uh i think that it's also reason enough not to you know make it easier for us <laughs> well how do you exist this. like this is an interesting thing i think you talk about capitalism but how does that play a part in psychedelics because there seems there is going to be a capitalistic movement within psychedelics related to the substance um, you know my gosh there is already i i don't know if you have been um reading so much the news about the, what is going on in the psychedelic space lately, but like there were a few big um, collapses uh, lately regarding Synthesis Institute. And I didn't know health. that. Oh, you should check it out. Like um, these are big organizations in this space and they had uh, quite some level of credibility they appeared, you know, field trip health with a lot of clinics, ketamine clinics in the U.S. They even opened a psilocybin clinic here in the Netherlands. And uh, Synthesis Institute was also like a very big uh, educational institute working with a right. lot of research and retreats here. And they both, um, they're both bankrupt. Hmm. And they had to shut down like a lot of clinics and synthesis institute is not running anymore like before they had to close their trainings Whoa. and the thing is like which is interesting it doesn't surprise me so much it didn't surprise me so much because these were companies that are still they are in the psychedelic space but they are behaving or i don't know if that's the correct word but they are placed in here operating by the same capitalistic system and framework framework of like big investors um let's roll out in a big scale with the best of the best let, let's put a lot of money in it and when it comes you know to the real thing and the real connection to why we are doing this in the first place how can we make this accessible to more people this this was really it's not there um so this is one way that, for example, I see this already playing out in the psychedelic space is like this really um, is a mindset that is driven by let's make money out of this. Let's make mm. profit out of this, uh, which I, yeah, I feel is not going to work in this, mm. uh, in this space because like you cannot have that with, uh, treatments that are not lifelong treatments these are not like pills pharmaceuticals yeah. that you're going to be taking for the rest of your life right like ideally you're going to have a mdma session or a psilocybin session a few times and then, and then you're good to go you don't need that anymore which is how it's supposed to be actually yeah. <laughs> for everything so i I see that a lot of people are coming to the industry with this mindset, thinking, okay, this is going to be a, mon a money-making thing, um, which can be in certain in certain ways. But I, I don't think that's, uh, and that's also like my belief of like, it doesn't really reflect 
with what these tools are and therefore it's not gonna work in that way yeah that's so interesting i uh i hadn't paid attention to that because i've just been talking to so many people in the space and uh i love talking and uh, and listening (laughs) and like getting this from you is like oh see this is my information i'm getting it i'm like wow that's because i think there's an idea about the synthesis institute and all these things and uh I had no clue that that was actually happening for uh, me, me neither until it happened. Like I, just out of nowhere, it just kind of came out of nowhere. There was no indication yes. that this was happening. Uh, I think probably from the inside, but not okay. from the outside. I didn't know because they were like, they were still launching a bunch of events. They were still doing amazing, you know, yeah. educational stuff. So for me, it really came out as a surprise, mm. uh, and also like kind of like a shake up to pay attention of like okay let let's see this we need to do things different in this area yeah feels like it's a time in the psychedelic space and movement that a lot of stuff is being tried yes whether it's retreats Mm. institutions uh laws being passed to allow decriminalization of Mm. the substance clinics in the u.s i know like oregon is leading the way uh, with that, there's a lot of like the eyes are on Oregon with the, you know, mm-hmm. that whole deal. I just wonder how it's all going to shake out. That's kind of the great thing about the newness of something, even though it's not new, but it's <laughs> new going this far. Yeah. In this sense, yeah. where do you see this? What's the best mm-hmm. case scenario for this? And what's the Ooh. worst case scenario? Oh, my. Yeah. Like, okay. Today, <laughs> the Today. way I see it. Um, my fear is that it happens very similar to what happened with the cannabis industry in the U.S. Explain, Uh, explain that, because I think a lot of people are going to go, well, what happened to the cannabis industry? Yeah. Like, so my, my knowledge in there is not as many as most people will have as much as, okay, but I can explain some of the basics. It was an industry that they tried, they tried to. Uh, place certain regulation regulations in order that it could work, but is in this in the state there are different regulations for different states, and oftentimes what happened there was like that the people that have been working with this for a really long time or the small entrepreneurs they were not uh, benefited from what it was implemented, and even in the, there are certain places in there that people who run a cannabis business cannot even open a bank account. They need to run the whole thing with cash. And, you know, it doesn't make it easier if you try to make something acceptable or legalize it or decriminalize it in one place. And then it's so much complication in order to make that business work. And it's so different from one place to the other. I fear as well, like in the psychedelic space, it's something that it can it can go very similar. Yeah. Uh, but the problem that comes in there that I think it makes it uh, even worse is the fact that these treatments are not cheap, and it's mm. very hard to make that actually accessible. If you count like that, you need to have okay two psychotherapies in one room psychotherapist in one room and each charge i don't know for 150 per hour for a six-hour session plus everything that is before you know wait a minute wait a minute that's wild 
That's yeah, crazy. but you see, you can see that already with the ketamine treatments that are available there. Like most are not covered by insurance. Right. And when they are, there's still a big price that people need to pay in order to have access to the treatment. And like only for so long, if you cannot afford that, uh, which there is a, if you look now in the news, there are a lot of news about like the complications on that of people that started you know, ketamine treatments and they cannot move forward with it or they yeah. started the treatment and the clinics shut down like out of nowhere. So all of these things that are happening in this moment, um, because we are trying to like, it's now going really mainstream and everybody knows about it. So there is the momentum and we yeah. want to make this work. But if we don't slow down and be careful about it, there is a risk of like, you know, messing it up completely. And, you know, make things, you know, we don't want to have what we had a few years ago in which all the research was rolling and all the things yeah. were going and then they shut everything down and like we stopped for 30 years or so. But really not tr try to don't get into this um, fast pace that suddenly we need to legalize everything without knowing how it's how is that going to look like? Is that yeah. going to reach the people that actually need it? Or is that only going to reach the people that can afford it? Um, do we have enough qualified people to even give the sessions? We don't. And even if you try to train like all psychologists, like you, you won't have because it's not enough. Are you going to be working with people that are not psychologists, but have been working on the underground for many, many years? in a form of collaboration using their knowledge, or is this gonna be something that is really a structure and only the people who have this specific type of training or degree or you know certificate can actually do that. So, and then, yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't even go back you know, to the people that have the traditional use, like what, still for me, like where are they in these conversations? Yeah is not really much in there like so yeah worst case scenario i think like yeah things get really messed up and we cannot do anything yeah. anymore and you just go back in there best case scenario uh for me i think uh, it's really slowing down and be really mindful of like yeah why do we want to bring this to the world yeah. At at what pace? At what cost? For who? What for? You know. So, a couple. There's a lot to chew on there. I mean, a mm. lot. So, I have several questions. Um, one: How was this price being determined? This is your sign to try Staples, where your prints are perfect, guaranteed. Staples Print and Marketing Services help small business print big. Now get $15 off signs, banners, and posters when you spend $75 or more. Try Staples and see the difference. Offer ends April 15th. Visit staples.com slash print big for details. A fortune forecast update brought to you by the Ohio Lottery. Well, hey there, Ohio. We're tracking a lot of jackpot activity over the next few days. We have rolling cash five and lucky for life in the forecast the entire week. But we also have major drawings for Powerball moving in, followed by scattered Mega Millions drawings through the week with some classic lotto drawings popping up here and there as well. There are big drawings every day, so stay tuned to the Fortune Forecast Center for the latest jackpot developments. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Per session. I don't know if you know this or not, but I, I get curious about this. Is, is it, uh, essentially the labor costs, so the 
therapist is setting their price of how much they want to make, how much does the actual substance come into play? How much Mm -hmm. does that cost to get? Like, I'm just curious about because and a lot of these things you look at it, okay, what's the competitive or comparative analysis? Well, this place is charging this, this place is charging that in this area. So we set the price based off of what's happening regionally or this Mm -hmm. location. How do you Mm -hmm. know that? with this, with something that has not been done. So you're just basically make, I don't, I don't know this. I'm not accusing anybody, but is it just, you're making up a a very exorbitant price or somebody who listens to this needs to educate me on this. Mm. How do you call like clinicians, whatever, how do you set the price? Because I know how prices are set in most industries and my industries is usually through a competitive analysis. You look at what other people are doing, what the region is, the cost of living, all this stuff. How is that done with this? Mm -hmm. No, I would love if you would have somebody coming over uh, with, you know, a clinic background from there that could also explain that more specifically to me. Because right now, the way it feels is because it has never done before. It kind of feels like, okay, let's estimate and kind of do it like that. And, you know, here in the Netherlands, for example, um, there is not a base of how much you can charge and how much Mm. you cannot charge uh for a session or for this type of service so basically each facilitator or organization have their own prices and the retreats as well and it's really uh, i don't know it's really defined by like what is included in this Mm. and what kind of like high level experience is is that or uh what is the experience of the facilitator that is going to be there with you yeah um so here, as an example, there is not uh, a proper solid reference point, but I think that's also very difficult when it comes to the fact that um, here, for example, only truffles, psilocybin truffles are legal. And yeah, if you pick there, uh, is the case only with ketamine. Um, so it's really, people are really drawing a baseline of like, okay, Maybe it can cost like this now. Maybe in a few years from now, it can cost a little bit less. And the world that we live in, maybe it will cost a little bit more. <laughs> you, you know, and I think it gets more tricky in there if these things are only allowed to roll out, you know, through the, um, how do you say, the medical system? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, Yeah then I think it gets even more expensive, right? And like oh. the access is even more limited. And there in the case with the insurances and all of that. So this there's also a reason why people look for these things on the ground, right? There's right. also a reason why people rather pay, I don't know, a retreat in another country uh, or yeah, have an experience like that somewhere else. So it's a, it's a difficult question. <laughs> I mean, these are the questions that we should be having in this space, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not at these conferences for psychedelics and all this stuff. So I, you know, maybe they're having these conversations. I just want to talk to people who are in Mm -hmm. the space and get Mm -hmm. as much information one by one over time. But it it brings me to another point, which is a qualification to be Mm -hmm. a guide or to Mm -hmm. facilitate this. And obviously there's a clinician aspect to it, and people are highly trained, but then obviously you have other avenues of people who are just offering psychedelic integration coaches and stuff. Mm, mm-hmm. Where, where do we need to land in this arena? Because it feels oh, like it's okay. just all over the place, you know? 
<laughs> it is all over the place. And it's a difficult question, I find, because um, obviously, like somebody who has a degree in psychology has a lot of knowledge mm -hmm. in, you know, how to help somebody who is going through a certain mental health issue and all of that. But that does not mean that this person has enough knowledge and is qualified enough to guide or do the integration right. of a psychedelic experience if they don't have experience with that themselves or working with people yeah. who have had those experiences. So this is, yeah, right now we are seeing a bunch of different type of trainings, like they are popping up. And I've recently actually finished my one-year training with Psychedelics Today in Psychedelic Therapy and Integration, which, by the way, it was amazing. I did not expect <laughs> to be that good. Um, but I also felt like yeah, one year gave me a good introduction on this. It's definitely not enough. From my perspective, um, the theoretical knowledge is great, but the experiential knowledge has no comparison to it. Yes. So in my head, if you can have a mentor, you know, like back in the days when you need to learn a new craft and I don't yeah. know, people that do sculptures and you that's need to right. have a mentor and you learn directly from that that's person. Right. That's how I think uh, it should be done to mm. start with. So you learn from someone who ha has been doing this for many years, someone who, a guide who knows how to walk the terrain. And obviously to that, you can add a bunch of extra trainings that you think like can complement that, you know, somatic therapy or um, even, you know, theoretical knowledge about how the interaction of substances work, harm reduction training, all of that. I think yeah. it's all great, but obviously uh, it needs to come. I think it's a combination of mentorship, extra looking for extra sources of developing your knowledge about these compounds and how to hold space for other people. Um, but as well, I think your own experiences, they can inform you a lot in yes. how to do this work and how not to do this work. <laughs> yes. And yeah, all of that is really, is you cannot measure these things. It's not something that you can just give a degree on it. And the 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 thing about these experiences as well is that they are so unique to each person on the moment that they are in their lives that is I find it's very difficult. There is something that you can always, you know, I know what will happen and I can be in fully control of it. <laughs> that oh. doesn't <laughs> it no. doesn't really exist. <laughs> no way. So yeah. So getting a you know the experiential knowledge from someone who knows and who has done this for a really long time. I think that's very enriching and it really connects us with something we used to do back in the days, which is learning from our elders and, you know, yeah. learning from the people who mastered this craft. Yeah. This is a, I love that by the way, mentorship. I'm always a big proponent of that. I just wonder if it's, um, this feels very similar to the business I'm in, which personal training and fitness, which is highly mm -hmm. unregulated and has a bad reputation of poor organizational quality because there's no quality control, generally mm. speaking. And mm. everyone's out for themselves, the organizations, 
and no one's actually really willing to consolidate what we're doing for the greater good of the industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like psychedelics should learn a lot from my industry because we are struggling tremendously because of that over Mm -hmm. time. And people don't take it as a legitimate business all the time because there's a lot of people in it who are just basically freelancing and are, for lack of a better word, just using as a hobby. They're not professional. It's kind of a joke to a lot of people. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that, you know. I fully agree with you. And I could definitely relate to that because even on, yeah, even with my work with doing sessions, there's a lot of people that are like, do I really need to pay all of that? Because you're just going to be sitting there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so yeah, I think like, yeah, with that um, as well, like with the business of personal training and as well with you know, the psychedelic space, there's a lack of education for people to understand what is it, you know, what is all that is in there. You need to have an understanding of like, you know, how you should or should not move your body and what can be really damaging for your body if you do it wrong. You need to have, you know, with psychedelics, you need to have knowledge of like, you know, people's mental health there's there's a bunch of things that um i don't think like from the outside people don't take that very serious or they they don't really know that it's in there yeah in the first place yeah and it shouldn't be to me it shouldn't be all clinicians uh doing this work i don't think that and i think it's important but if there's another subsection of people or, or equal section of people performing ceremonies and stuff I think it's good to define how you're able to get into this in a legitimate way where Mm -hmm. the consumer feels like they're getting a very good qualified person, whatever those qualifications are. I don't know. I'm just, I just know from a lot of other industries that are not, let's put it this way. You just can't be a nurse. You just can't go up and say, oh, I'm a nurse. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to guide you through this. I'm going to help you when you're sick. Like it's, there is a pathway that's recognized. You just, you know, and you, everyone goes through it. It's not like mm-hmm. it's, oh, well, it's freelancing. I'll just be a nurse because I feel like it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that's what's happening in psychedelics. I see some people are just doing it because they feel like it. And they just had mm-hmm. such a strong experience. They're fans of it. They're psychedelic yeah. fans that badly want to be guides or whatever. And I, that's a dangerous path to go on. I believe it's that, dangerous. You know? It's like doing sport twice and you become a personal trainer, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you have all this in the US with like all these people was like they did, let's say they did something like CrossFit or whatever, and they loved mm-hmm. it. And then they became a CrossFit gym owner with zero business experience, zero educational background. But now they own a gym. I'm not making this about CrossFit. I'm just saying this just an example. It yeah. could be anything for mm-hmm. that. Just because mm-hmm. you're a fan of something doesn't mean that you're meant to be a guide in that space, a leader in that space. But if you want to enter that space, you should figure out what's the most appropriate way for yes. me to be knowledgeable in that. I mean, if, but if the problem is if no one, if the larger entity is giving you no guidance on how that is, then you just take it into your own hands, you know? Yeah, yeah. The thing there, like, which I think... Um... It should be helpful to do, but obviously when people are entering this space with, you know, that kind of um, approach, um, they're not doing that. Uh, but 
you know, some certain level of self-inquiry and ask like, yeah. why do I want to work with this in the first place? Is it like to help other people? Or is it to feed my ego? Is there some sort of ego inflation in there? Or like suddenly, yeah, I had this massive ayahuasca experience and now I'm, I'm a shaman or yeah. whatever. And I'm here, you know, yeah, to heal others. And that happens a lot. And also here. Mm. And yeah, like I said, this is it's extremely dangerous because uh, people, when they come into the States, they are extremely vulnerable. Yeah. And if a facilitator cannot hold them in this vulnerability, uh, that can be re-traumatizing for a lot of people. And the reality is as well, like a lot of people that come to take psychedelics, they do have a history of trauma or yeah. they are taking it for, you know, exactly to try to work on that. Um. So I think like uh, in in that sense, like some sort of check in with yourself and like really trying to see what is the the reason behind, and if it isn't if it is coming from an ego place, then it's already not like a good reason. Yeah, but you yeah. know, it's interesting. You're asking people to do something they often don't do ever for themselves, which is evaluate mm. themselves, like honestly. And mm -hmm. like, am I an egomaniac? Do I, am I really doing this? Cause I want to feed my own ego. Like, I don't know a lot of people that actually talk to themselves like that. You know, I think mm -hmm. I, they're on the wheel all the time, you know, and it's mm -hmm. like to slow down and say, am I doing this for a really positive purpose? Or am I just doing this to escape my life type of mm -hmm. thing? Mm -hmm. That's like another deeper aspect of being oh, a yeah. human that, one, I think psychedelics does help open that you mm -hmm. start thinking about yourself differently. Yeah, definitely. But that's a very difficult thing to get humans to do. Many, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Um, and the funny thing is, or maybe not so funny, but the interesting thing is, is with a lot of people, when they start taking psychedelics, it kind of happens the opposite, right? Like, because at the end of the day, these are just non-specific amplifiers. Yes. And if you are not this kind of person before, up until that you change that, you might be just repeating, you know, the same things and the same beliefs. Yes. And this is also why I think like, you know, for certain people, um, yeah, it happens this ego inflation and they get more disconnected uh, from themselves and more attached to their narratives about the world. Uh, so that's also like why I I also think it's important to talk. There is a dark side to psychedelics. It's not everything, you know, great and amazing and it's for everybody <laughs> because, yeah, it's clearly not. <laughs> yeah, and that dark yeah. side's not talked about enough. I'm actually working on a project related to that. I saw. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I think mm -hmm. I think it's going to be gigantic. Uh -huh. I think I really do, because it's like I like to go to places that people are not trying to talk. It's not a fairy tale land. You know, it's no, like yeah. there are people that have had incredibly terrible experiences with psychedelics. Yes. Right? It's, nothing is all good all the time. Like that's no. just not possible. <laughs> you know, no, like, it's not. But we treat it like that with psychedelics. A lot of people treat psychedelics like that's this wonder thing, like it would just cure everything. Yeah. It's not true. Yeah, I feel like this is also very much connected with um so psychedelics are very much in the spiritual community right now. And you know, the spiritual community sometimes it can be like a lot of like 
you know, we are all one, everything is good yeah. and um, positive psychology and all those stuff yeah. that are just like really toxic and they really don't take into consideration what is the reality of different people from different yes. classes and different cultures and all of that. Right. And, you know, this also affects, you know, how yeah people view or have psychedelic experiences themselves. And I don't think it's all we have in history, uh, many cases of people that have used psychedelics in a wrong way. Yeah. You saw like with the that CIA project, but also like people that use that for codes and to really take advantage of vulnerable people. Because yeah. again, there's a lot of vulnerable people in this space. And the reality of our world is if there are vulnerable people, there will be people there who will want to take advantage of those people. For sure. Uh, it's ugly, but it's also part of human nature, I find. Um, so... This is also why I feel like we need, like you said, exactly. We need to have these conversations. We should not pretend that these things don't happen and they don't exist. Because when we do that, we are automatically invalidating the stories of people yes. who, you know, suffered uh, from something like this happening. Uh, I think like, for example, even talking about uh, bad trips, or talking more about sexual abusing ayahuasca ceremonies, these are things that make people really uncomfortable to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about that because it brings mm. discomfort on your own self, right? It makes you check in with yourself. What you, exactly, like own, you know, <laughs> people don't <laughs> want to check in with themselves. That's again. the problem. <laughs> they need, but you yeah. have to if you want to grow. You have to check in, mm -hmm. negative and positive. That's this is a large human nature human condition conversation is that there yes. is both good and bad. And in this psychedelic space, there will totally be disgusting gurus, people mm -hmm. who are going to pray. They're doing it right now. There are definitely people mm -hmm. doing that as we speak who were like, this is another opportunity to take advantage mm -hmm. of very vulnerable people. Even if something appears wonderful and there's a lot of wonderful things to it, there are going to be people in the space who are going to try to hurt people and do bad things. And yeah. my thing is like, that's why you really have to have it buttoned up because mm -hmm. right now it's easy for people to get in to do really weird stuff because there's mm -hmm. no regulation. In a sense, the regulation is, oh, it's illegal, but that doesn't stop anyone from doing anything ever. No. It no, does yeah. not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it gets even more complicated than that. Like when we're talking about regulation, how are we actually going to regulate these things? That's the hard. Like that's on the, the world, thing we have to like really <laughs> think about. Like we have to actually mm -hmm. really take our time and really mm -hmm. think about this. Like if mm -hmm. you don't want it to be a more capitalistic thing, if you want it to be a more capitalistic thing, do you want it to be a more indigenous-based thing? The cost structure. This is going to take a lot of work and a lot of very uh, patient, wonderfully focused people to oh, do it. Oh, yes, right? 100%. This hard work to do stuff mm. like this, you know? Mm -hmm. It's hard work, and I think it should be done, again, in smaller scales, like really having, you know, smaller communities that are in charge yeah. of regulating. I don't know, if you pick here in Amsterdam, there's one that is in charge of Amsterdam, 
people who are doing this work here because i also find like having uh i don't know an institution or something like maps to do the you know control try to you know right. make Over, sure everything is good right like it's yeah. so crazy like that's impossible uh so impossible yeah. that's where i think like really this aspect again of like going back to the small scale going back to smaller communities you know knowing the people knowing each other you know yeah. knowing your mentors who you're working with and trying to build that from that space I think then things can work in a in a very good way, and honey people accountable in that way is much easier as well. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see kind of a psychedelic mentor network that was on some you know organized in a way that people felt like, well, this is a great place to go to find mm -hmm. a guide, you know, people who are vetted, those things. Mm -hmm. Again, these are it's just a lot of work. Like, I'm there. Listen, there are a lot of wonderful people out there doing incredible work. Um, mm -hmm. but uh, just, I'm not in this space, but I've talked to so many people in the space. Be very careful. You're literally becoming the fitness industry. You got to mm -hmm. be very careful about this. We are struggling tremendously. Don't let anybody tell you we're not, we are, and mm -hmm. you're headed down the same pathway. You better start having these conversations right now <laughs> and uniting oh because you will be a hobbyist. You'll just get a lot of hobbyists in it or people who are mm -hmm. fans and it's, it's going to water down what you're doing. Oh yeah. You know, that compromised the whole movement. Yeah. It just yeah. will, you know, mm -hmm. and you already have a big stigma issue is that you still have people who believe these are substances that people do who are not, um, responsible, legitimate people in society. Mm -hmm. Still, there's a lot of people who still think that way about it. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to overcome mm -hmm. the stigma and make it more legitimate. What you do now will set the course of where this industry goes. Yes, 100%. And I go back in there again, education. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't see any other way that we can do this work if we don't include education in our work. And that's what you do already with the podcast as well. We are educating yeah, people. That's right. You are uh, bringing the stories of different people, which is for me, it's a great way of educating people to that normalize these conversations, yeah. normalize having these conversations and the different perspectives that are in there so that we are more aware of what is actually happening, that we have our own opinions and not just like believe on what somebody yeah. says, you know, it's how you should do it or not. Um, so education should be in the pillar of all of this. And slowly with that and building that educational foundation, we can think about having, you know, a space that is actually healthy and helpful. Yeah. I have to tell you, this is one of the best conversations I've ever had about psychedelics. <laughs> you the like best. it. <laughs> because it just felt like it was full of so much great, so many great talking points. Mm, and I can't like that, you, I can talk so much. <laughs> I mean, I could go on and on about this stuff. Like I said, I never, I'm not a, a facilitator in the space. I'm not working in the industry. I'm just, uh, in some ways, just a very outside journalist in some way uh, mm -hmm. for this uh, uh, storyteller for people in the space. Um, but I see where it's headed. Um, and I want to be a part of helping people get the stories out, both good and bad, because it's mm -hmm. not all rainbows and fairy tales. But um, there is a dark side to it. But there's so much good 
but we just, just got to be careful. You know, as an outsider, I'm looking on the inside. I'm like, oh, I know. I see where this is headed. Like, you don't want this. Like, you know, <laughs> so thank you for being a part of this discussion and to get it out to a lot of people. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, next time we make it longer because, yeah. I think we, we got to talk, talk again, Jessica. <laughs> There's something special here. Like, you are very grounded in how you look into this. Uh, seriously, one of the best conversations I've ever had about psychedelics for sure uh, thank you i think like it's my brazilian woman i have a strong <laughs> opinions about certain <laughs> things as well so <laughs> well you kept that you know what you kind of kept that bubbling it was like right there you're like oh, i got some things to say but i'm not gonna go too far into it you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is the thing always with me and um recording podcasts and all of that is like like i said these are my personal beliefs and this is my opinion today if like you present me facts and a lot of things change on the industry this might change so that's always why i'm like okay this is how much i want to see say yeah. and like yeah but i also want to leave it open like for someone who is listening and doesn't agree with something yeah come Most talk definitely. to me and yeah explain something yeah that gives me more yeah well, tell all the folks who are going to be listening to this how they can connect with you, websites, resources, all that stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. basically, uh, you can find my work uh, through my private, private business website, which is jessicalagarde.com. And that's uh, my business focus on psychedelics for women. Or they can find yeah, most of my educational work on the platform womanonpsychedelics.org, which is also a storytelling platform yeah for women Wonderful. in this space <laughs> that's awesome jessica thank you so much for your time i'm uh i'm grateful we had the conversation and uh, we definitely have to speak again for sure yeah thank you so much this was great <laughs> awesome all right until next time till next time <laughs> when you eat in the denny's booth you find the time moves like nowhere else with one bite everything stops Every hurry and worry comes to a pause that seems to last forever. And now, our new Diner Classics Plus menu mashes the past and the future to bring you yum, believable, time-warping flavor. Like the new spicy moons over my hammy with savory chorizo and jalapenos. Or the red, white, and blue buttermilk pancakes that pause the world around you. Whether breakfast, lunch, dinner, or anything in between, at Denny's, it's diner time. Price and participation may vary, limited time only. A fortune forecast update brought to you by the Ohio Lottery. Well, hey there, Ohio. We're tracking a lot of jackpot activity over the next few days. We have rolling cash five and lucky for life in the forecast the entire week. But we also have major drawings for Powerball moving in, followed by scattered Mega Millions drawings through the week with some classic lotto drawings popping up here and there as well. There are big drawings every day, so stay tuned to the Fortune Forecast Center for the latest jackpot developments. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly.